Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley. SAB the CV. Copyright 2024. Proximo. Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to South Beach Sessions. We don't usually have this kind of fame around here. There's a lot of bustle around you. It seems <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of responsibility to be Nicky Jam. I can say a regaton pioneer, correct? You feel like a pioneer. It You don't have to be humble here. You can feel <laughs> like you helped introduce this music. Uh, well, I knocked a lot of doors for this music to be where, where it is today. I'm one of the ones. I'm one of the guys that knocked on a lot of doors. I can't take all the credit, but uh, there's a lot of... Uh, reggaeton artists that are not active today that uh, started with me back in the day. So it's been almost 30 years. Your journey is fascinating. I'm curious what you think is most interesting about your journey, because I don't know if it came with all of the expected things. What's happening around you, I don't know how comfortable you are in it. Certainly you're used to. But the bustle and the economy around you, the number of people around you buzzing around you, it seems like a lot. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it seems like a lot, but uh, most of the people that surround me, they family, you know, they family, they've been with me for more than a decade. Uh, some of them have been with me for more than two decades. And uh, so I feel good. I feel good with the people I'm with. Um, you know, the most, uh, I could say, crazy thing about my uh, my career is the comeback. You know, I, I was, uh, I started in uh, 1994, my first album. Um I was discovered at a at a supermarket. I used to uh, pack groceries and freestyle while I packed groceries. And uh, this lady heard about me, and then she took me some weird. Uh, <laughs> she took me that same day. She heard me. She took me to her husband, and uh, her husband was a uh, he was a uh, he worked for a, a record label called MP Records uh, back in the days. I don't I don't know if that record label still exists, but. Um, and Literally bagging groceries. You were you were discovered bagging the groceries for a customer. Yeah, I used to. That's the way I used to make money when I was a kid. You know, I make twenty dollars a day, and with that, I would buy bread, milk, uh, coke, uh, ham, cheese, and bread, and cigarettes for my dad. And that was like my job every day. You know, and if I wanted to go to the theaters with uh, with a girlfriend or something like that, I would make twenty dollars, and I would hope that she won't ask for more than than twenty dollars. Uh, you know, in, in, in the theater, because that's sometimes, you know, it's, you, you with your girl, she want popcorn, she want this, she want that. You were sweating. Oh, my God. It was it was, it was stressful, but it's, it's good. It's good. It's good to uh, go through that because it, it makes you value uh, life uh, way more when you get more money or whatever. But you were dreaming back then. You were thinking to yourself, you're freestyling, you're doing it out loud while you're doing your job. Yeah. And you're discovered by somebody who just... Yeah, I became like a celebrity, like, you know, a small celebrity there at the supermarket. Everybody, like, yo, have you seen this kid that he'd be rapping while he's uh, packing groceries? Back in the 90s in Puerto Rico, rap was something that it was new. So for the, for everybody, it was like magic, you know, and I got... I was, I'm always been really good when it comes to freestyling. So I would freestyle, you know, like a freestyle about the letters, the tomatoes, the bread and all that. And, uh, you know, with the client that was there and then, you know, they give me $2, $3 and, um, you know, and that's how the lady came to me. Like, Hey, they told me you rap, you're not going to rap for me. And then I started rapping for her. And then she took me, she asked me, can you, can you come home with me? I'm like, no, cause I didn't know her. I was only like 11 years old, 12 years old. And, uh, I did that album. And uh, from there, it, uh, the album sucked, to be honest with you, because how creative can you be when you're 12 years old? <laughs> but the reality is um, uh, the the DJs from the un un underground world, you know, the mixtapes, they, they like my style. And they're like, yo, he's a young kid, but he could rap. He has a good delivery. So I started, you know, recording in mixtapes and I became one of the biggest uh, mixtapes uh, singers in the industry. No preparation for what it would bring, right? Like what kind of training, what kind of adulthood, what kind of practice did you have with what success brought? I mean, no. I mean, you never prepared for all this, but the reality is I didn't know it was going to be as this big, you know. 
back in the night in 94 90 we would 93 we would just go to a, a a sweet 16 and just ask them if we could perform on stage you know so from from dreaming to go on stage and letting people let us perform to becoming somebody that people will pay you to perform that's that's a that's a you know a new ball game but the reality of everything is um I was very young and I came from a really, really dark past. You know, my mom was a drug addict. My dad was a drug addict as well. And um, we was really poor in in, 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 this, in, uh, in Massachusetts. My dad, they locked him up because an undercover cop caught him with 25 kilos of cocaine. And uh, he paid bail instead of fighting in court for the, for the, for the, uh, the, the case. Uh, he just took us as a fugitive to Puerto Rico to raise us. Cause he was scared because my mom wasn't in condition to raise us so he knew it was something was going to happen so he took us to puerto rico and that's how i got to puerto rico when i was 10 years old i was born in lawrence massachusetts what chance do you have of being stable when your life growing up in the formative years is that unstable because i cannot imagine what the details are of both parents uh being addicted to drugs well the reality of everything is i'm still not stable <laughs> you know uh you never gonna be stable, you know. It's 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 uh it's something that it's a trauma that um that's gonna haunt you the rest of your life. But the reality is, I'm a happy guy, you know. I'm always joking around. I have good energy, so I let that take over. And uh, I think music, you know, helped me a lot. And, and music stabilized me as you know a little bit. I I can't say I'm full stable. I can't say I'm full happy. I can't say I don't have my demon from the past. You know, my skeletons in the closets. I do have them. And I fight with them every day. And I think that's just, you know, something that 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 uh, a lot of people will say, you know, like a lot of people see me. They call me the the Phoenix, you know, because I, I came from the ashes and I did a comeback in my career. And you'll probably go there later. But um, the reality of everything is they probably expect me to be in a perfect uh, moment because, you know, I did a comeback. My career is really good and I've done so, so much. And I did my Netflix uh, uh series and that talks about my life and all that and obviously it's a beautiful story but the story never ended uh, you know i'm still here i'm 40 i'm 42 years old i'm still performing i'm still singing i'm still touring i'm still fighting with uh these uh demons from the past and uh what you do is you try to you know get better and better every day you know to take it day by day but if you ask me how I am now, if I'm better than when I was 20 years old, 100%. If you know, if you ask me if I still make the same mistakes that I made back in tw uh, 20 years ago, of course not. Well, you know yourself better, right? 100%. 100%. It also sounds like what you're saying is the comeback, as improbable as the original Phoenix story is. Exactly. It sounds like the comeback was even harder if you're saying that's what... Oh, 100%. 100%. It was huge. I mean, I, I, I had my hits uh, before... Uh, my my downfall you know before I, I got in jail before I, I i fell off on drugs and all that but when i when i when i came with the comeback it was like global hits you know i'm talking about back-to-back -back five songs number one in the whole world global songs with more than one billion views each so it's like something that it's crazy it's something that uh that was never seen before in the music industry in that time now today is different you know because uh we're, we open doors for singers like bad bunny and all these uh great superstars that are making all these numbers because uh yeah you had all these old school cats opening the doors you know and uh and making the way this is a broad question but what did the downfall teach you oh it teach me uh it teach me that discipline is everything you know uh discipline is everything and um a good mentality, a good energy is is everything. Because if you if you think to yourself that you are just trash, you are going to be trash. If you have a mindset that you are a diamond, you're going to be a diamond. You know, and 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 if if you have your mentality, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But another thing that I learned is, uh, when you do good, you know, when you a good human being, and you're genuine, and and you do good things, you know, bad things could happen, but more good things are going to happen. You know, when you do bad things, it's going to be a train of bad things coming for you. You know what I'm saying? You're bringing that bad energy. You're bringing that bad, that, that dark cloud to yourself. So that's what I do. You know, I try to have a, a good mentality. I try to uh, 
have a have good energy and uh try to do good you know what i'm saying help people and and i needed that downfall so i could fix myself as a human being and uh and become the human being that i am today what needed fixing a lot of things you know i first of all just because i i didn't have my mom you know i didn't see my mom for more than 15 years i felt abandoned so i i was a rebel i didn't care about life i didn't care about dying i didn't care about doing anything i didn't care about going to jail i didn't care about taking somebody's life i didn't care about nothing nothing i just I, my mentality was like i don't care because unloved right unloved yeah 100 percent. but once i went to colombia the country that you know gave me everything and gave me that comeback that I felt that the country gave me, they backed me up and they told me, you a legend, we love you, we back you up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're everything. Like, they they gave me that love that made me love myself, you know? And they made me change my way and my mentality because this country, specifically Medellin, Colombia, the people are so humble. You know, these these are people that if you ask them, do you know what street, uh, where's the street? They will stop doing whatever they're doing to take you to that street. You know, this, these are the people that you go to a restaurant and uh, you ask them if they have this particular uh, plate and they're like, no, we don't have that here, but we'll go buy the stuff and we'll make it for you. Um, this is a country where for them buying the new clothes they're going to wear for Christmas is so big. And in the States, it's not even like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they will tell you like, this is, that's, is that brand new? And and they'll be happy with that. And in the States and Puerto Rico, it's like, you would never say it's brand, is that brand new? Like, no, no, I've had this, you know, cause that's the mentality uh, we have, you know, the Puerto Rican mentality specifically. Um, so if I was already a humble guy, cause my dad showed me that, Medellin made me way more humble and made, and, and, and I transmitted that on social media as soon as uh, Instagram was uh, available. As soon as they gave those 15 seconds of video on Instagram, I was probably one of the first influencers uh, known in the Spanish world. And that's why I became so famous. You know, I have almost 50 million followers and I don't even post anything anymore. You know, like I've stopped uh, posting on Instagram and all those followers because of the impact I caused in that time that I was showing my life and showing people, you know, who I was really in the new Nicky Jam and and the new mentality and the new energy I had, and I showed that to the world, and that's what made me this, the, the guy who I am today. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action of DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet just 5 bucks to get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DAN, that's code DAN, D-A-N, for new customers to get 150 bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus best expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm not sure you finished the answer on what needed fixing. I know with me, uh, when I do therapy, one of the things that I wish the most for myself that I have some difficulty with is I have a hard time uh, forgiving myself or being gentle with myself wherever the failures or the downfalls are. How did you treat yourself as somebody who felt a little bit unloved when you're looking at yourself and you're like, I need fixing, I don't care about anything, I'm unloved? Um... I think, I think first of all, just cleaning myself, you know, with drugs. That that was that was one of the first uh, movements. And uh, before I went to Colombia, it's it's crazy, but there was a small church, and I heard a preacher. He was preaching, and uh, I stopped in my car, and I was on my way to Colombia, and I knew I was going to move to Colombia, and I knew it was a country that was going to give me what I needed, the peace that I needed, and and everything that I needed to get back on track, and. Uh, I went to this church, I stand. I was standing behind the church and the preacher, he was preaching and he would say, I know that, I know why you came here. And then he kept preaching and he kept talking and, and he said, it's time. And then he kept talking and he kept preaching whatever he was saying. So 
I felt he was talking to me. And then um, I just walked to the preacher and I got on my knees and I started crying. And I cried for almost a half an hour. I was letting everything go, everything out. All these, uh, all these things that I saw, you know, my mom, my dad doing drugs. I felt like I had zombies in the house. You know what I'm saying? All the bad things that I saw that there's so much things that we probably don't ha even have the time for me to, you know, tell you everything that I saw with these eyes when I was a kid in my house. And uh, all the things that I saw while I was, get, while I was raised, getting raised in the hood, you know, you know how uh, people go to war, right? And they uh, see so many ugly things and see so much blood and so much unreal things that they, they, they never come back the same, you know? And I saw so many, so many of this in the hood without even going to war. And I had all this inside, you know? And pushed down like was it repressed in some of the latin male places where when you start sobbing you can't even believe it because you're finally exactly. letting it go exactly and i just i just cried i cried for so long i was letting all that out and i'm telling you that was the day i accepted jesus christ as my savior and i felt automatically automatically that i got all these bricks out of my body i felt i was way better and then when i got to columbia my energy was so good that uh, I just felt that I cleaned myself, you know, and I and I got way better. I mean, way better. That's what I'm saying. You never fully <laughs> recover, you know. You never fully. What's well, a daily struggle? You're saying it's, it's a, a fight. You're saying they're daily demons. You don't figure. You're humble enough to know that you do not have it conquered, and that you can remain no. powerless in its presence. And I could fall anytime. You know, uh, you you never know. You know, you could fall anytime because you. We the end of the day, we are human beings. We're not robots. You know. It's like it's like it's like when people say, "No, I don't like going to church because I see a lot of uh, hypocrites in church and a lot of people like, bro, you wrong, man. When you go to church, they're not angels. They're human beings. They have demons, too. Even the pastor could have demons. You know what I'm saying? They, everybody in that church is fighting. They all there because of the reason they want God to clean themselves, to clean them. So. You know, it's just, we have a battle every day. What's happening with you before, though, when you're in front of the church? Like, how lost were you when you say you knew Columbia was going to give you what you needed? What were you searching for, and where were you in the dark place? Oh, I was in the darkest hole in the world because I was doing so much drugs, first of all. I was doing 30 perks a day, minimum, you know. Um, my career was in the floor. I was the embarrassment of Puerto Rico. Everybody was making fun of me. Nobody wanted to record a song with me anymore. This is after me having so many, so many hits and being a young superstar in Puerto Rico. And I went through some years where it was just embarrassing, you know, to be me. It was embarrassing. I got so much weight. I got fat. Probably got a, I was probably weighing almost like 260, something like that. And, uh, self-esteem in the floor not only physically and mentally and the music uh, everything everything the reason why i decided to move to puerto rico to colombia was because i was in puerto rico not doing anything and no shows and i can even barely pay the rent and they called me for a show there and i went there and when i went there i had to change my voice and act like i was my own manager you know what i'm saying like <laughs> put the deep voice and act like i was my manager and uh, when I went there, I remember that all the performers that were there before me were like really popping, like they were doing so good. And I was like the, you could say the wackest one because cause my songs were like old. But the reality is what people saw as old songs in Puerto Rico, they saw as classics in Medellin, Colombia. So for them, they were really waiting for me. They didn't care about the new one. They wanted to see the legend in their mentality. I would, I didn't feel myself as a legend. Because for me, a legend is somebody that had more than 40 years. Like, now I can feel like, now you can tell me I'm a legend and I'll probably, I, I could probably, like, understand why you tell me this. But in that moment, I was like, I had a lot of good years in my career, but a lot of bad years. So I didn't feel I was a legend. And, and then I went to this country and everybody made me feel so good. I got on stage and... It was like standing ovation and I started performing my songs and people went really crazy and that gave me like hope, you know, like, whoa, wait a minute. What were the 30 Percocets doing? Just making you not look at the shame? Uh, numb, probably making me not feel anything and not care about anything. And uh, it was just something for me to feel good. The reality is 
I, I did every drug. I did cocaine. I did weed. I did perks. I did ecstasy. I was in the ecstasy time when I, where I was a raver and I used to do ecstasy. And for some reason, perks gave me the same feeling that ecstasy gave me without driving me too crazy because ecstasy is too much. So I just felt good and it made me feel good. But the problem is when you get into a drug, when you do something like heroin or perks that it's similar because it has the opium on it, um, you're a slave of that first high. And you're always looking for that high, but you never get it. It's never like that first time. So you become a slave of that first high. And it, could, it comes to a moment where if you don't take the drug, your body hurts. And it's not one day of hurting. It's two, three, four, even five days of hurting. Your body is destroyed because it needs the drugs. So I was avoiding those three days. I knew because I've heard other people that stopped and <laughs> it was something I didn't want to go through. It wasn't until I got to Colombia that I said, okay, I want to clean myself. I have this good energy. I feel way better about myself. I have to stop doing drugs. Have you examined the roots of the behavior or is it uh, you get famous, you get to success, you try something and it feels good and then you can't stop and I don't need to examine whether the I'm self-medicating or not. The reality is a lot of things. First of all, I come from a mom and a dad that come from that addicted personality. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, in the movement of the streets of Puerto Rico, it was so common. Everybody was doing it. It was like, you don't do it? People were surprised if you didn't do drugs. So, you know, it's like everything. You start with you start with weed, you start with a cigarette. From cigarette, you go to weed. From weed, you go to coke. Coke, you go to this and that. That When you realize you get hooked onto something that really, you really find yourself, you know, I would have to travel with these. If I had... If I was touring, and I'm not talking about I would do these tours and make a lot of money. I'm talking about $1,000 per show tours. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like any, the only thing I could get in, the, in that time that I was in my downfall. If I was a whole month, I needed probably to take 300 perks, 400 perks. So part of the money that I made on the shows were for the uh, pills. And then I would travel to... Uh, uh, these places with these perks on a I would buy a buyer uh, you know aspirin and you know the perks looks a little bit like buyer so I would just fold that bottle and put it in a bag and travel everywhere with that if I would have lost that it would have been a problem because it would have been two or three days of agony of the pain and you knew while you're in it you're addicted you know 100 percent and you're is there some shame in it or is it just I'm, shame. I'm the reality is when you were hooked on drugs, you don't care about shame. You have no time for shame. You need to find more perks. You know what I'm saying? There is no shame. The shame is when you have to ask somebody for money to buy. Them. That's the shame. And that happened a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to ask like w random people that I would never ask because you're a drug addict and you need to feed it. You know what I'm saying? You need like they say you need to feed the monkey. And how you going to feed it? You got to ask for somebody. You know, sometimes I would do crazy stuff. Like, I would go to a show. And I did this. And this happens a lot. I would go to a show and a lady would, uh, you know, be like, yo. Uh, I would tell the lady of the show, like, can I use your computer? Like, can I use your laptop? And I knew I didn't have no more money because I wasted the money of the show. I would steal a laptop. And I would sell it. I would I would take it to a pawn shop to buy more when I, get, when I got to uh, the state. So it was like. It's horrible. It was just horrible. I was, those were the kind of things. And the other shame was all the things that were happening, like, you know, child support. I didn't have money to pay it. Um, you know, it would take my cars away. Stuff like that. Stuff that would happen to a person that does not have money to pay their, uh, their, their addiction. Without rummaging too much in uh, the scars left by your parents, uh, can you explain to me what it is that uh, your childhood imprinting is that is hardest for you to shake or adjust or accept in adulthood about yourself? Wow. I could say, um, I could say not having my mom, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's something that, uh, it's the biggest scar, you know, like a mom is everything. A dad, you could say, um, 
you know, we, we, we do need my dad. You need your dad. And I love my dad with all my heart. And, and my dad was my mom and my dad. But the reality is a mom is very important, you know, in, 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 in anybody's life. And uh, I think that I felt like, uh, you know, I felt like, wow, you, you, you preferred drugs over your son, you know? And that hit me hard. And that made me be the rebel that I was for a long time. And till this day, my mom and uh, me and my mom, you know, we 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 linked up together after a lot of years. We, she found me in Dominican Republic in a show, and I knew I knew it was going to happen because I felt it was going to happen. But till this day, we we do not have the relationship that mother and son should have, you know, just because of all, you know, the time that we wasn't together. It's like you know being with somebody that you don't know, and it's it could be awkward sometimes, you know, it could be uncomfortable, but you keep trying. I, do I forgive her? Of course, I forgive her a hundred percent. You know, I bought her a house. Uh, I take care of her. Is it a hundred percent though? Because it sounds like wherever it is that your self-esteem was lacking in some of those places, you could trace it to, "Hey, mom, the feeling of you chose addiction over me." A child mm -hmm. looking at that, what can't shake that kind of rejection. So mm -hmm. you say, "I forgive her a hundred percent," and I ask you, "Do you?" I probably don't. I probably I probably don't know that, that that's a situation in my life. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I probably it, it's probably something that you know I probably need that therapy. You know, I've never been to a, a psychologist. I say a psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist. psychiatrist. I've never been. I've never done that. I've always well, Latin males have trouble with this. I've met. Yeah. I I know that I I had to feel I needed help. And I had trouble asking for it. But the things you're talking about, of course, they're going to leave damages and they're going to leave damages if unexamined will affect your relationships. All of them, the way that you trust uh, people, uh, women, uh, of anything like this. If you don't find wherever the forgiveness is for, hey, mom, you left me damaged here by making me feel like I wasn't worthy of love because the drugs mattered more to you. I'm surprised you have that viewpoint as someone who has also had trouble with drugs and probably wouldn't say to anyone that the I'm choosing drugs over love. Yeah. Well, the reality is, uh, like I said, I probably do need it. I probably do need to uh, recover from that 100%, and I do need to uh, forgive her 100%, and I probably do need help, you know? I'm just being honest with you 100%. Um, probably have to make a move. Probably have to sit down with somebody and talk and uh, see... What's my situation? Probably it's because what you said, you know, probably me being Latin and being a man thinking I'm very because I'm a smart guy. And uh, sometimes I feel like I'm on, I'm on my own psychologist, you know what I'm saying? And I have that I mean, I'm strong guy, but you're never that strong. You know, reality is we we all need help. We all need somebody to help us. You have found some solace in religion when uh, you're telling the story of falling before the priest i can imagine wherever a latin a repressed man or a repressed child is i can imagine the release of finally letting go of i've been trying to shove all this stuff down i don't know how much crying you did when you were younger i it sounds like you saw a horror after horror but the freedom of release uh, must make you feel very close to god to just yeah. let go yeah. of whatever it is it was tormenting yeah, god god helped me a lot um but sometimes you know we 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 move away from god you know i can't say i can't say i'm talking about that moment that i that i accepted god you know as my savior it doesn't mean that i stuck with god it doesn't mean that i became a church person it doesn't mean that you know then success came you know a, a huge success came and when uh, a lot of success, a lot of temptations come, you know? And uh, so it's like I'm saying, like I'm saying, I have a new battle now, you know? Uh, I have a beautiful career. I uh, have four beautiful kids. They, they're 21, 21, nine, 18, and uh, 11. Um, but there are kids that uh, I've had with uh, different women, and they're not kids that I raise them there at my house that probably would make a lot of change in your life too and the reason why probably I don't have that uh that affection with uh my kids like uh normal uh, parents would have is because probably I didn't have that you know and so a lot of people say that they give they try to give to their kids whatever they um they didn't uh they didn't have
But that's a lie. That's not always like that. Because how are you going to give something you never had? You don't know how to do it. You know? Sometimes when you have a, a good uh, house in your house, you have love. It's easier to show love, you know, because they showed you that. It's a foundation, you know. You're like, you, you, you saw that. You saw how mom should treat dad and how dad should treat mom and how dad and mom should treat the kids. So it's something that you're prepared for and you're raised and you're trained for that. I wasn't trained for this, you know. And, and that's why some people would judge me sometimes. Like, oh, well, why you have so many relationships? But then they see my story in the past and they see my Netflix documentary and then they say, oh, my God, he had it hard. OK, so now when you see me in unstable relationships, you should understand where I come from, you know, and they still judge me. You know, they judge me because I I last one year with a relationship It's just because, you know, it's 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 a. Uh, probably a matter of time where I could be a stable guy you know probably I still have a lot of healing to do you know and when you have all this toxicness inside you it's hard for you to like you know give the best of you the best version of you to any girl but also what does love look and feel like to you if you have spent a lifetime feeling unloved exactly exactly and even though I'm a I give a lot of love you know even though I'm a guy that you can ask anybody about me, and I'm not, I'm not bragging, you know. You can ask any of my friends or any of my ex-girls, and they're going to say, he's a, yo, he's a good guy. He gave me so much love. Uh, he just has a problem with uh, being stable, you know, just staying like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a free spirit. I just can't be, I, I, I can't have nobody lock me in, you know. And, but if you didn't have any discipline in your childhood, if, if you don't have parents teaching you something... I don't know what you feel like you learned in your childhood, then of course you're going to be a free spirit, right? 100%. Like what you're going to be a rule breaker because when have you ever had to adhere to rules? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. No, I agree a hundred percent. And that's just the way it is, you know, but the world don't understand that. And I ain't trying to make the world understand anything because the reality of everything is just, it's my life. You know, it's, it, I, I have to do my own healing. I have to understand myself. I have to understand what I do. I ain't trying to fight with the world and I ain't trying to make the world understand me. Because the reality is, if you didn't live what I live, if you didn't go through what I go through, you're never going to understand me. It's like my mom. My mom wasn't the best mom in the world. But then I learned about her story, what she went through when she was a kid. And I forgive her. I understand her. Probably not forgive her 100%, like you said. But I understand her. And uh, I don't judge her one bit. Because then, then my life came through. And then I saw how I acted and the way I do things. And I'm like, okay. You know, probably my, my kids have to understand where I came from and the way and why I act the way I act and why I do the way things I do. Where were you in your life? I don't know what the period was, how many years it was between success, then the shame that you're saying your punchline. You say people are laughing at you, you're living in your shame, and then you make an improbable comeback. Uh, when in there, over how much time that was, did you consider yourself most hopeless about the idea of a comeback even being possible? What were the details happening in in that space in well, your you life? Could say, you could say I started in 1994, right? And uh, it wasn't until, and then I blew up like around 98. 98 was when I became like the big, you know, the biggest young artist in Puerto Rico. And 2003 was when I caught my case and I, they, they, they put me to jail. You could say from 2003 to 2011 was the worst years of my life. You know, it was disastrous. And it was where I felt like I would never come back. I thought, like, misery was just my life. I, I, and my mentality was like, there's no comeback for me. I would never imagine what's going on with me here, you know. But the mindset is everything because when I went to Colombia, my energy changed so much and the way I was thinking and the way I was sleeping and, and how happy I was for everything that happened. Another thing happened was I did so drugs, so much drugs once that I had a, a brain problem. You know, it's, uh, it's the motor system, the part of the brain that controls the movement of your body was affected. And uh, I almost like, 
lost it. You know, like I was walking one day and I couldn't even stop my movement and I was just scared. And of course, I did so much drugs, acid and ecstasy and all this that my brain was just not working. So, um, so I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to be, you know, somebody on a bed forever and just, you know, surpassing that and, and getting better of that made me enjoy life better. Uh, and all this happened in Colombia. So everything, the timing was perfect. These people, this country's loving me, backing me up, but telling me I'm the best, I'm a legend, I'm everything. And at the same time, uh, I'm feeling better about my health. I stopped doing drugs. All that combination set what's, set the tone for, what's, for what happened the rest of my career and all the success. Performance give you anything that the 30 Percocets were giving you? Like, is the performance, is the high of the, the performance, music. is the music something that can even be comparable in any way, any any place where you're so emotionally connected, whether it's performing in Colombia, Puerto Rico, uh, that it's, it's even comparable to what a drug's artificial high can be? I could say creating music. Not really uh, performing on stage. I like performing on stage. I enjoy the people. And yes, it gives me a lot of energy. But creating music is what gives me that same thing that drugs would give me. Inspired because you feel something deeply emotional. This is the best you, is it yeah. not? The one, this is the most confident you. The one, yeah. the one who's preparing something in the studio yeah. is the artist in you most speaking in the humble yeah, language of art. It's like a chef, you know, when he's cooking, you know, he feels he's, he's doing his magic, you know, and it's the drugs make you feel magic sometimes too, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, something about creating music, writing music and uh, producing makes me feel that, you know, probably uh, it's 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 something that happens uh, time by time. Because I'm not going to lie. There are times where I just don't even want to create. There's times I just don't want to do music. I don't want to do anything. I just don't want to work. But what's the answer to that question? Why am I not doing this more? Like, what is the answer? How do you? Probably is sometimes I just don't don't want to do it. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. Sometimes I just don't want to create. Sometimes it doesn't give me uh, the same feeling that it gave me in those days that uh, that I'm talking about. You know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes I just don't. It's like, ah, you know, I'm tired of it. I've, I've been doing this for 30 years, you know. It's a lot. And I'm 42 years old. You know, it's not like I'm old. But, uh, but I have a career that old people have. You know, it's lasted 30 years and no, nobody could say you have a 30 year. You're allowed to be tired occasionally. You're allowed yes. to, you're, you're do, you've been doing it for 30 years. You've been your own economy. You've been running from demons. You're allowed occasionally to not want to do it. What came with fame you weren't expecting? Like, what's the stuff that came with success that when you dream, when you dreamt of what you wanted this to be, you're like, oh, I didn't know that that came, uh, those problems came with that? I could say feeling. Let me see the word. Um, can I say it in Spanish? Yeah. Invadido. Cuando te invaden tu vida. You know, I feel like people just, when you're famous, they feel they have the right to just step on your life. Like, you know, they take a piece of your life, you know what I'm saying? And there's no respect for your intimacy, you know? I understand it. And once you become a, a public figure, um, you probably have to, you know, uh, you know, um, say, say bye to all that. But the reality is, I feel like people, whew, you know, it's, it's, it's scary sometimes. It's scary how people could just get into your life like that and 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 think they could judge you and 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 put everything out there that's the bad part about fame you know today we're not in the 70s you know Elvis Presley and 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 even Elvis Presley had problems when we know how he ended but the reality is he didn't have this if he was crazy in the in the 70s imagine now with this there is no privacy 
There is no privacy. People would say hi with the phone in your face. People will ask you for a picture recording you. People will record everything. It's like a whole bunch of zombies with phones in their heads. And it's just, it's scary, you know? That's just my mentality. I'm not saying I don't appreciate my fans. I love my fans. I love the people that love me. I, lo I love being loved, you know what I'm saying? My, my hero was my grandfather, rest in peace. He was a guy from Spain and uh, he lived in the street. And to this day, they call that street Eladio Street because he used to help everybody in the neighborhood. If somebody needed a hammer, he'll give him a hammer. If somebody needed money to buy groceries. He was like the hero of that street. And I always wanted to be like my grandfather. So to this day, I love my people. I love my fans and I love to help my fans and be there. But uh, there's there's the other part. There's other people that are not fans. Because a fan, fan will talk shit about you. A fan won't try to make you feel like you're on the ground. A fan won't disrespect you like that. A fan won't uh, judge you. That's not a fan. And and that, that's the part where it, it, it really, I didn't, I didn't, to be honest with you, you asked me what I didn't know, but in the second part of my career, my manager went to my house more than five times trying to, trying to uh, you know, make me come back and I didn't want to do it and I told him I remember I don't like what comes with this fame I'm scared of it I told him I told him straight up I'm scared of it but he was very smart and he knew how to you know take me time by time but I always told him bro I don't think I want to go back to that I just want to make a little money here make a money here a couple of shows here I don't want to be big he's like you don't know how big you could be and I like I know how big I could be I just don't know if I want to do it well, what were you scared of? Because it sounds like you thought it might just be applause, and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's cruelty this, in here. Feeling violated, you know? Feeling invaded by the people. You know, when you have your own situations, you know? It's not easy. I mean, imagine a normal person feeling invaded because mom got into his problems and probably two neighbors. Imagine the world. You know, the whole world making fun of you. The whole world saying, oh, you messed up. Or That's what it felt like to you. It felt like to you yeah. everybody, that everyone was laughing at yeah, you. Not, that only that, not only in the past when I, no, even when I break up in a relationship till this day, you know, it's, it's just, that's the bad part of it. I'm talking about the bad part. There's a lot of good things I could talk about in my career. A lot of good things I could tell you. You asked about the bad, I gave you the bad. That's the bad one. That's the one that I don't like. That's the one that I don't respect. That's the one that sometimes makes me angry and makes me say, fuck the world. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sorry. You know, it's just it's just me being me. That's just the way I am. I don't like people, you know, thinking they could get into my life because you don't know me. You don't know what I went through. Like, it's why would you judge me if you don't know every part that I went through? Like, what you don't know the story. You know, you can't judge people if you don't know the story. People don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they just talk. That's the bad part. If I may, though, it feels like you've got a little bit of armor up here, and I wouldn't blame you because it is invasive, and if you're sensitive in this area, wherever it is, you can't trust the internet with your vulnerability. You cannot, uh, you cannot trust that people are going to be kind instead of cruel about whatever difficulties you might have with love. But it's not only in internet. It's not only internet. It's when you walk around the street. It's when you go buy something. You know what I'm saying? I wish it was just internet because you turn off the fucking phone, but sometimes you're buying groceries. You know, and somebody comes in like, yo, what happened to you? You know, it's just, it's crazy. I know it comes with the territory. It comes with being a public figure. It comes with being a superstar. It's just the part that I don't like. I'm not saying that it's, I'm going to go crazy over this and I hate the world and I don't like people. No, I love people. I love good people, you know? I love real fans. It's like the other day, Bad Bunny. Um, and uh, and shout out to Bad Bunny if he hears this. Uh, he he. Uh, I remember he. Uh, there was a. There was a situation with him where somebody recorded him and he threw the phone out. And the first the first mentality of mine was like, okay, that wasn't okay. That that was fucked up. But then he did a song where, um, he said, you know, the person that put that phone that I threw the phone. 
in the water when they put their phone, that person wasn't really my fan. And I understood him 100%. Because the reality is, if you're really a fan of somebody, you, you, you talk to that person. It's like, yo, I admire what you do. These people just want, some of these people just want a trophy for their Instagram. They don't give a fuck about you. They just want to show off. They just want to brag. And they don't even have like, you know, decency to come to you in a good way. Like sometimes people come to me like, yo, can I get a picture? I'm like, yo, say hi. Say hi first, man. Give me a hug, man. Just talk. You're just to craving me. a human connection. Just to, just to have a have a normal human moment. Yeah. Like, you know, like if you, you're a fan, really? Like you love me like that? Show me that. Don't show me you need you need me for your phone, for your for your social media, because you want to because you just want attention. Because the reality is, that's the biggest drug today: attention. Everybody wants attention. That's just sad. What were you equipped with the second time that you arrived at the attention that you were better equipped to handle because you were more mature, more of an adult? Uh, you had learned things from the first time that you liked or didn't like about you said, the experience. You said it right there. You said it yourself. I was more mature, more adult. I've learned out of all of my mistakes. And that made me, I, I always said this, I said, God gave me the fame that I have today in a good time. Because if you would have gave me this money that I have now and fame when I was 20, <laughs> it would have been a problem. But he gave it to me in a moment where, you know, I, I, my head is, you know, stable. And uh, I have a more business mentality now. I have a more mature mentality. Um, but the reality is, you know, it was a, it's a lot of fame and a lot of success. And sometimes, you know, you got to be trained for this, you know. And I was trained a little bit, but sometimes, you know, it's lonely in the top, you know? You feel lonely in the top because it's, it's, right now I'm in a moment in my career where I, I love it, I enjoy it because I'm not the number one artist in the world anymore because there's, there's always going to be a number one artist in the world, you know what I'm saying? Today is me, tomorrow is somebody else, and then somebody else because that's the way, you can't just be on top forever. It's just life, it's the way it works. But I have, I have a lot of fame, I'm successful, but I'm not in the spotlight as much and I can move around a little bit better, you know? And I'm enjoying that, I'm enjoying that. My brand is still big, I'm still touring around the world, uh, but I can move a little bit easier because I'm not the number one. When I was the number one artist in the world in that moment, I was really uh, sad and scared, you know? Happy because of my success, scared about what's when it, what's gonna like what's gonna be the 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 math on all this you know it's too much every year i would come out with a number one hit you know a global hit and every year it got bigger and bigger and i felt that more enemies and more envy and more haters and more you know it, it's a scary moment and if you're not prepared for it you could go crazy you know uh eventually you know uh I was prepared for it, but uh, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. You got to be really smart to to deal with it. I mean, I don't like by now, and I know I've mentioned him twice already. But Bad Bunny, I don't know. Like he's the biggest artist right now in the world. I don't know how he thinks. You know, I don't know how he feels. But you don't envy it necessarily, right, no. dude? Like you're looking at it like, man, that seems like a lot. That seems. No, like I don't envy it. Nothing. That's I went through it. Remember this. Bad Bunny right now is the number one artist in the world. It doesn't mean that 10 years from now is going to be one with bigger numbers than him. But it doesn't mean that he didn't feel the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm asking you, if you look at that, when I say envy, I don't mean envy. No, no, I, no, no, no. I say, do you look at it and like see a lot of pressure no, 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 and be like, that's no, no, yeah, like a you, lot. Yeah, but I, think, I, I got it the way you said. I'm what I'm trying to say is that it's scary. Like I know what I went through the same thing. Is what I'm saying. Lonely how, though? When you say lonely at the top, what are you thinking of there? Everybody wants a piece from you, man. Everybody wants a piece from you. It's, it's, it's just not... You're it, distrustful. You don't... Every, there's there's a demand on your time. You don't know who to trust. It's uh, You're alone with your responsibilities. No one knows what it's like to be you. And, and they just want Nicky Jam. They don't want Nick Rivera. You know what I'm saying? It's just... is is that. And, 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 it, and it's a scary moment because you don't know where it's going to end. You know? It's like, wow. Like... You really need to be really strong for that, and and uh, it's 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 a scary situation, and nobody knows what it is until you're there, you know.
Well, when you say these people don't know what it's like to be me, these people who don't, these people who are judging me and don't have any idea about the details of my story, what are the details of your story that you would like them to know? Not necessarily to soften them, but to explain to them who you are and how you are imprinted and where it is that your flaws reside and where you accept them and where you'd like to be better. Well, I think I explained it with everything that I've said in this whole interview. I mean, you know, it's just, I don't, you know, it's, 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 I'm a guy that like to keep to myself my intimate life. I do have no, I, I have no filter when it comes to talking, but at the same time, there's a, there's a line where I don't like to be crossed. Um, I'm a humble guy. Uh, I just don't like to be judged. That's it. You know, I, I don't like to be judged. And I and 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 but that it comes with the territory. I understand. You know, it comes. But with, you understand the question I'm asking you. I'm talking about the things that imprinted you, the people who are judging whatever it is. Let's make it. It bothers you that mm -hmm. they're judging your relationships. What would you like them to understand about? Hey, do you know what it's like to come from a life in Puerto Rico where I was singing for money and my parents were both drug addicts, and I didn't have a very good chance at success in life from there. Well, to answer your question, I did a documentary just for that. I did a series just for that. So they know, but they still don't know. I want them to know what 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 it's like to be Nikki and what I've been through. That you know, what I did with my documentary is not easy to show the situation of my my mom's addiction, my dad's addiction, my addiction. I opened myself to them. I showed them my story. So that's in 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 a way. I'm gonna tell you something. My legacy is my story, because it shows you where you could come from the deepest hole in the world, and if you have discipline and you have love for yourself and you have love and you have and 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 you have a good mindset and you love yourself, you could come out of any hole, you know, and especially if you have God with you. But even even if I showed and I just literally opened myself to the to the world with my story, you still going to receive judgment. You still people because they don't understand. They forget. They can see the documentary today and say, wow, Nikki. I remember when it came out in 2018, everybody, they saw me. I posted a car in my Ferrari like, Nikki, you deserve it. What do you mean I deserve well, I deserve it because you saw my story, you saw where I went through. I deserve that mother. I worked for my shit. I deserve my car because I worked for my car. Not because I went through all that shit. You know what I'm saying? But a year goes by and they'll forget about it. And what I want people to understand is who I am, where I came from, what I went through, what I did to be where I'm at today, and the type of human being I am, you know. And one of the things is, you got to know me before you judge me. You can't judge somebody without knowing the person. Just that. That's just that's just that. Why did you open yourself up that way in the documentary? What was the need, uh, the the impulse for it, and what was difficult to share? It was difficult to share the situation of my mom, you know, because it's, in a way, I, I feel like I uh, invaded her, her intimacy. And I invaded my dad's intimacy. And I did talk to them, but I know they weren't comfortable with it. You know, and I and 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 I did and I did my part too. So that was really hard for me, you know, to show all, all that and you know, just talk to my mom and say, Mom, you know, I'm gonna do this story. I'm gonna show my story and what we went through, you know. And uh, a lot of people judged my mom because they don't know the her story, you know. A lot of people judged my dad, mostly my mom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard situation. But the reason why I did it was because I felt that I needed to, I needed people to learn from my story. I, need, I needed to get a lot off my chest. You know, I needed people to know who I am and where I came from. And I wanted to do it in life. I didn't want to die and then people, somebody else tell my story. I wanted to tell my own story. I wanted to be there while people saw my story. But why the need to feel the freedom of I'm going to show everyone everything? Because I don't think nobody had a story like mine. I don't think people, there's a lot of people that went in the music industry that went through what I went through. In life, yes, 
a lot of people suffering in the world. A lot of people went through a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that. Of course, it's called life. It's, this world is crazy. This fucking world is is fucking crazy. But uh, I felt that people had to know my story. I just, it's something. It was an urge I had. I woke up one day and I said, I want to tell my story. I want people to know why of a lot of things. Why that time that I was the embarrassment. Why was that? Why? I went through those things. Why those rebel moments? Why every moment of my life? Because it has to make sense after you see my story. It's that. You're proud of yourself? A hundred percent. I am proud of myself. How did you get to better self-love? Loving other people. Taking care of my family. You know? Taking care of uh, my friends. I'm, I'm a good friend. I'm a good father. I'm a good I'm a, I'm a good son. You know, I, I could sit down and say, hey, I, I took my dad out of a hood and out of the hood and I put him in a got him his house. I got my mom's house. I got my sister's house. You know what I'm saying? I take care of my friends. I take care of people that I don't know. I would answer DMs from people to Venezuela and different part of countries that needed situations to, you know, help. Even my my best friend, one of my best friends, he's from Venezuela and he even told me, yo, you got to chill. You got to stop helping these people because some of these people are taking advantage of you. They don't even need help and they just, you know, it's just a scam, you know, and I would help people because I like helping people. I feel good. I like watching people smile. You know, like when I give somebody something and uh, sometimes I could see a movie and I see somebody going through something and it's something that I know that I could like fix and I'm like, wow, I wish I was right there and I could fix that situation for that person. That person right now is sleeping on the floor and, and he don't have a bed or he don't have a, a house to sleep in or he's in the street. I would have helped him in that moment. Even when I saw Pursuit of Happiness, I would have I would have wanted help you know that guy when he was sleeping in the bathroom with his son and just give him some place to stay that's the type of person that i am and I'm pr that's why i'm proud of myself because i like doing right i like helping people i like seeing people's smiles in their face when i help them you know i will i will stop and 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 it, my sister's the same way like my sister will take off her sneakers to give them to you if you like them you know that's just the way we are when did you feel least free least free Right now, to be honest with you, I can't say why, but I can say right now is when at least free I feel. Is there any, is it too close to the bone to ask you uh, for more specifics there? Because one would imagine that at this place in adulthood, without knowing the details of what you're trying to protect here and without trying to be invasive, one would think that at this point you are freer than you've been. For some reason, because of the fame, because of friends that I have that uh, don't make me feel like that, and because uh, in general, you know, fame more than everything, I could say I don't feel free. I think people would be surprised to hear that just because what they imagine success to look like and because you do obviously have a gratitude for all of the good things that success has brought you. Yeah, I do, and I'm, and, and I'm grateful. And I appreciate every fan and I appreciate everybody. But I'm being I'm being serious. I do not feel free today. I don't and if and if if and I think that's if you don't feel free you don't have peace. And the most important thing in the world is peace, you know? That's what we really need in life. Um that doesn't mean that uh I'm not I'm not steps away from it. I could be, you know, I am plan planning other things in life, but I do not feel free. And it's and it's and you tell me this and it and it, and it, it hurts me, you know, in a way because I'm I'm just being real, you know. I just, I can't lie, and for some reason I don't know if God just bring me here to just talk and get a lot off my chest, but uh, yeah, I do have success. I have a beautiful career. I have family. I have everything. Does that mean do I feel free? No, I don't. Where does happy fit in there? Because I would imagine some of what you're saying there, again, not trying to press too much here, uh, that there is distrust, that an absence of peace comes with, I cannot trust motives, I cannot trust intimacy, I cannot trust uh, people to treat me like a human being, whatever it is, it, it seems like there's uh, earned distrust there. I think it comes with the territory, not to feel free and not to be 100% happy when you come, when you when you're famous. I think it just comes with it. 
and you just have to take it because it's it's what I have, you know. It's just what it, I'm a performer. I'm a singer. I'm a famous person, and it comes with it. And 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 how many people, how many artists, how many famous people been through what I'm when I've been through? And some of them, are, some of them are not with us today just because of that situation. You know, some of them are just sad. Some of them are depressed. Some of them even stop performing, stop being famous because they didn't like what it came. I mean, you know, there's so much that it could be, but there's so much I can't say here on this mic right now. You know what I'm saying? Because I just don't feel like it, but I, I think I said a lot. <laughs> well, people would imagine that it's all your dreams coming true and all your dreams coming true, especially when you have the gratitude of not everyone gets this part of the story because being broke and being poor is one thing, but being broke and being poor and then being very rich and then going back to being broke and being poor can be even harder yeah. than yeah. never having it all and never it's knowing worse. any better. It's even worse. I went through that. Having fame and money and then and then people seeing you from having a good car to having a bust down car and say, hey, what happened? Because the world is, cr is cruel. What would the world would tell you right there? They don't care. Like, y'all, what happened? You used to be popping, you know, like sup with the, all the, you know, like what, what happened with you? You know, that's, that's really hard. And that, that's because it's like, it's like, it's, it's like you said, I mean, if you, if you're like, if you haven't seen something, it don't hurt. If you've never seen uh, fame and money or, or anything or good things, it doesn't affect you as much. But once you've seen it all and you lived it and then you lost it all, it, it hurts double. I can only imagine how much stronger you got beating yourself up over those eight years, wherever the shame resided on. Oh, those people are laughing at me. Do I deserve to be laughed at like that? I'm a shitty person. I'm going to medicate and self-medicate because that feels better because I've thrown it all away. And I imagine it would be hard to be easy on yourself during all of that. Yeah, but the reality is I'm a strong guy. You know, I, I'm really strong. I mean, like I said, I have my, my, my situations. Like you asked me some questions that I answered you where I'm, where I'm lacking at, but it doesn't mean I'm not a strong guy. I'm a very strong guy. Uh, I'm always prepared for that bully, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a, I'll bully back, you know what I'm saying? You tell me something I don't like, I'll go sm I'll snap back on you, I'm ready. Because I'm from the hood. I come from, you know, like I, I was, I come from, I was trained in a hard place, you know, to deal with these situations. Sometimes I hear other people's problems, I'm like, what? Like, like that's your trauma? <laughs> You know, but the situation is every world is different. Every every mind is different. So. You know, you're strong though. That you know. That that 100%. you know. That you know with total confidence. 100%. Your strength has been tested, and yeah. you know that it is uh, it is formidable. A hundred percent. That's a good thing to know. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Hey, you asking me about the bad things? No, but you got the scars. You have the scars. Yeah. You you have the proof all in your life experience because your story shouldn't happen. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, and these scars is they gonna be my testimony one day. You know, all these scars and everything I went through is gonna be what's gonna, you know, you know, help other people not go through it. So you know, I'll take I'll take that sacrifice for my people and for, for the world. When has performing made you feel best? You say you like the creative process. Uh, when have you felt, you're talking about all of the energies that you feel that you absorb. Uh, performing where is the, the place that you think of when you think about an emotional connection to an audience and an emotional connection to your music? I can see in both. You know, when I, when, when I performed, uh, when I perform in, in stage and I have all this love, it, it feels really good. You know, it's something that, it's it's what makes me say okay now I know why I wanted to be an artist you know this is this is the reason why I wanted to perform and be a superstar and all that because I wanted this love um, and obviously when I create magic you know I think one of the best things in the world is when you create something for the world and the world accepts it and it becomes big and everybody wants wants it and, and you know you feel good you you're proud of yourself you know as a human being but it's the little things in life like you know. I remember when I got my award, my first number one song on the radio in Medellin, Colombia. And uh, it was just, you know, they, they have like a countdown for the number one song. And, and I remember that after all those years, I didn't have no hits. And I did one song called Piensas en Mi. And this song 
became number one on the mega uh, radio station in Medellin, Colombia. I cried for almost an hour. Obviously, I cried because it was like the first time I, I had acceptance for the people in the song. And when I performed the song in the stage and everybody sang the song, I cried even more. And it's funny because after that, I did really big, big hits. And I didn't feel that way with these huge hits that I felt with these little small hits that I did in these local cities in, in Colombia. And uh, sometimes it's the little things in life, you know, that, that really hit you hard. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I mean, it's a package, you know, performing in life. I could tell you so many shows that I went, got up stage and, and felt so good. You know, like I did a show in Chile a couple of years um, ago, probably two or three years ago where I performed and I cried because it's just feeling all that love is like, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's amazing to feel people love you so much. And sometimes you forget, you forget the impact that, that, uh, that you give to people and, and how much people love you. And sometimes people see you and they're like, Oh my God, you don't understand who you are. And like, I don't, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting me know how big you think I am. Cause for real, sometimes I just don't, you know, and it's not that I have low self-esteem or nothing. Like, I know I'm Nicky Jam and I know, you know, the you know, I know, I know what I, what I have. I know the magic that I bring, but sometimes it's good to, you know, to hear people, you know, you know, give you that love and, 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 and tell you the things, the good things you've done in, you, in your career. I should tell the people that uh, tour dates, tickets, and more, IamNickyJam.com is where they check you out. I appreciate the honesty. Thank you, uh, Thank you for being open about all the things. I'm sorry if I got a little close there on some stuff that uh, uh, didn't, uh, didn't feel quite If free. it happened, it's because it needed to be happened, and uh, hey, God's, God's timing is, is perfect. I appreciate you. I think uh, you are one of the uh, best interviews I've ever done, to be uh, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could tell you a pro. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming through. Thank you so much. Now is a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start, same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley, SAB, the CV, copyright 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.